WVIA's Mind Over Matter, a mental health initiative, is underwritten by Geisinger. When you hear Geisinger, what comes to mind? A hospital, doctors, health insurance? We're all those things. But here's something you might not think of. We're also your local pharmacy. Geisinger Pharmacy isn't just for people in the hospital, it's for you. Want to fill a prescription? We've got you covered. Just need over-the-counter stuff? We've got that too. And Geisinger Pharmacy is run by your friends and neighbors. We're your local healthcare system and your local pharmacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I'm Tracy Matasek, and in this episode, we're talking about, well, weed, medical marijuana, to be precise, and its effects on mental health. Medical marijuana is currently legal in 37 states, including Pennsylvania. It's used primarily for pain relief, but a lot of people take it for mental health challenges like anxiety and post-traumatic stress disorder. So how effective is it and is it safe? What do we need to know? Our guest is Dr. Jennifer Dress, a clinical psychiatric pharmacist at the Wilkes-Barre VA Medical Center. Dr. Dress, welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So first of all, many of us may not be familiar with the term clinical psychiatric pharmacist. Can you first explain what that is and what kind of work you do in the area of mental health? Absolutely. So a clinical pharmacist is a pharmacist who has gone on to have some additional training in order to provide what's called comprehensive medication management. Um, You can also go on to specialize, which I've done in the mental health area, uh, thus clinical psychiatric pharmacist, where I provide comprehensive medication management for people living with mental health conditions. Well, and since you work with veterans, I want to start with the relationship between medical marijuana and PTSD and combat veterans, because from what I've read, it's a very promising area of research, and I'm wondering what your sense is about its effectiveness in that area. Sure. So I think if if marijuana had a tagline, it would be, it's complicated, because <laughs> it, is, it is very, very complicated. Um, to start... When you look at cannabis, the you know the medical term for the uh, the plant, there are over six hundred active chemicals within it, and so that can vary depending on what strain of marijuana you have and the person's brain structure itself can can produce a, a different. Uh, effect of marijuana versus some, you know, in someone else. And so there are many active chemicals. The the two most common, uh, the most active would be your tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the THC, and cannabidiol or CBD. Yeah. And I want to um, deep dive a little bit on those two um sort of acronyms that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. the THC and the CBD. But before we get to that, I mean, do you think that um, it can be effective? You know, if if all goes well and it works right, can it be effective for, you know, helping someone who is struggling with PTSD? So that's going to be a long-winded answer here. And I will try (laughs) my best, maybe with the help of some analogies too, which if they don't don't, uh, hit on the target, just cut me off. But 
Um, first, I would say, though, that these uh, conclusions that I'm presenting are, you know, my own, uh, my own based on research into the evidence behind its use and, and not I'm not speaking directly for the VA system. But um, that being said, you know, I, I like to look at it from a, a common common sense lens uh, when someone who has been diagnosed with PTSD uh, tells me that they use marijuana for their symptoms and that it is the only thing that has helped them, I say, sure, I believe you. I I'm sure that has been your experience because, of course, it's going to numb feelings of anxiety and feelings of anger and really just mood dysregulation in general, which is uh, you know, the cornerstone of, of having a disorder like PTSD. But the thing that I also lead into in that conversation is that it may help until it doesn't. If someone's hungry, they can eat something with a lot of sugar, right? I'm going to eat a candy bar every time I'm hungry. Sure, it's going to help me not feel hungry, but it's not going to help my future health. It's not going, you know, it's going to make me less healthy in the future. It can make, it, I should say, it can make me less healthy in the future. And I think that's the piece that we're missing with marijuana. Is sure it makes a person feel better when it were when it's active in their system. But what ends up happening is with anxiety disorders as a whole and PTSD, it, it can make the person less resilient to handle the stressors that will inev inevitably keep coming back in the course of their life. And so mm. when you use a substance that is quick acting and quickly wearing off, again, it's kind of like we're just becoming less resilient to and more reliant on those quick acting substances. And so that's the downfall. Yeah, it sounds like it's okay in the short term, maybe for some people, but long term, you know, it could create a different set of issues. And and I want to go back to what you said about the THC and the CBD, because mm -hmm. to your point, you can hardly go to a shopping mall without seeing a kiosk that sells all manner of CBD products. Can you explain what the difference is between THC and CBD and do CBD products work? I mean, mm -hmm. you see everything from, you know, body lotion to edibles to oils, all kinds of products that claim to have healing properties. Sure. So THC, again, tetrahydrocannabinol, this is the psychoactive chemical, the main psychoactive chemical, which means it's the main chemical in marijuana that produces a euphoria or a high, okay, because it works on binding sites in the body, which are mostly in the brain. And it, it can give us um, surges of dopamine, serotonin, and, and, and so it gives us this good feeling. CBD or cannabidiol is not a directly, um, I should say it has more indirect effects on our binding sites for 
uh, for cannabis. And so it is not fully clear at this point because the, the effects are so complex when you really look at it, but it seems to possibly have some effects on um, anxiety in the sense of working on one specific serotonin binding site in the brain. And it can also potentially, uh, it's being looked at for decreasing inflammation in the body. But none of these products are regulated federally. None of them are FDA approved. And so there is always that risk. And we say, you know, pharmacists will tell you that about anything that's not FDA regulated, you know, there's the risk that it's, it doesn't have in it what it says it has in it. And that actually has been looked at, you know, some of these products have been pulled and, and they've found that what they're claiming is in it, you know, whatever percentage of CBD or milligrams is not, in fact. And so there's just we're being flooded with these products and, and no real good way to navigate through it all. Yeah. And as you said at the beginning, it's complicated. Um, We have much more to talk about. We're discussing medical marijuana for mental health. Does it work? Is it safe? We're talking with Dr. Jennifer Dress from the Wilkes-Barre VA Medical Center. Much more to come, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. WVIA presents a Mind Over Matter Minute. Hi, I'm Dr. Kylie Oleski from Geisinger. Humans are social beings. The COVID-19 pandemic has made it hard for many people to access their support systems. Many people living in rural areas, especially older adults, are isolated and have limited support readily available. Relationships that are positive and supportive can help us cope with stress and make us healthier. Having in-person connections when possible is great, but not always possible. Online support through FaceTime with our loved ones and friends, social media, and online support groups are helpful ways for people to connect when they can't get together physically. Sometimes reaching out for support can be hard, but it's worth it. Remember, you are not alone. For more, visit wvia.org forward slash mindovermatter or dial 211 to speak with someone who can help. Mind Over Matter is presented by WVIA in partnership with Geisinger. And you're listening to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I'm Tracy Matisak, and our guest is Dr. Jennifer Dress, a clinical psychiatric pharmacist at the Wilkes-Barre VA Medical Center. We are talking about medical marijuana and its use for mental health purposes. And as Dr. Dress has said from the very beginning, this is a complicated subject. Dr. Dress, you made the point that it can be effective for some people, at least in the short term, but long term can create some other issues. So what I take from that is that if if you're going to do it and and you have the approval and and all of that that you need some other tools in the toolbox as it relates to the mental health piece of this for people who are interested in it for anxiety, for PTSD and so forth. What else needs to be in that toolbox um, to sort of supplement um, and maybe even mitigate the long-term effects of using medical marijuana? What we want to consider are harm reduction strategies, really. And some of that, it's going to relate to really being holding yourself accountable, providers holding you accountable to to look at if marijuana use crosses over into what we call cannabis use disorder. And 
there are clear diagnostic criteria for cannabis use disorder. Uh, the backbone of that being that the use itself causes dysfunction in a person's life, right? So people start using marijuana when they have anxiety and PTSD because they want to function better. They want to get out of the house. But what we see happen a lot is that it starts to cause dysfunction in relationships, in ability to work in maybe even physical uh, status, such as lung conditions and, um, you know, uh, coordination. I, I think it's kind of like everyone got real excited that it was approved for medical use, but we can't forget that with good comes bad, right? And with pros comes cons and risks and benefits. And it's just very important to look at look at the whole picture. And, uh, and so I appreciate that question. Um, I can certainly add more if you'd like. Well, it, yeah, it sounds like it, it can be a gateway mm -hmm. to a substance use disorder. And I'm wondering, are there also cardiovascular effects like long term? Um, from continued so in certain patients certain people with a with an arrhythmia to start sure maybe you know maybe it could trigger that but as far as predisposing someone to a higher risk of a heart attack or stroke I, i'm not aware of that you know of that being proven there's no doubt that it that you know smoking marijuana and vaping anything can impair lung function as far as it causing someone to have a condition like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or lung cancer that's just not proven. Yeah. We talked a few minutes ago about the various forms of CBD products that we see all over the place. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we see a lot of are edibles mm -hmm. and that you can find cannabis in everything from brownies to gummy bears right now. Mm -hmm. What do we need to know about cannabis in edible form? So especially that the onset of effect, so time from when you, in, you eat it, ingest it, and when it kicks in is delayed. Okay, so if you are taking any type of cannabis product orally, uh, you would really want to, you know, you have to wait two hours really before you can say what it's doing. And mm -hmm. so some people will really get into trouble if they uh, ingest a product and then within that time frame, redose it, you know, take more and more. And so th then they get into the risk of those, that rapid heartbeat and maybe even psychotic symptoms too, you know, um, mm. having disorganized thoughts and, and possibly even hallucinations. So. Mm. So it sounds like there is that risk that if you don't feel the effect, you think, oh, maybe I didn't take enough. And so Correct. you take some more and all of a sudden you realize you've taken too much. Correct. Yeah. Um, there are people who certainly, you know, swear by the effects of this for anxiety. And I guess I have kind of a two part question mm -hmm. here. One is about the kinds of anxiety that could potentially benefit. Um, you know, is it social anxiety? Is mm -hmm. it panic attacks? That sort of thing. And, and what effect might it have on depression? Can it make it worse or does it help? Mm -hmm. And so with the effects on anxiety, so social anxiety, uh, 
you know, when someone feels anxious going out and socializing, okay, that could be sort of like a symptom, like we say we have social anxiety, or it could be a disorder where again, it's risen to the level of I can't function because of my social anxiety, um, as well as panic disorder or panic attacks. Okay, and that's like the, you know, just the abrupt onset of, of panic. So in these cases, it's going to be similar to that common sense sort of explanation with PTSD. So sure, it can make a person feel calmer if they're using it for anxiety and, you know, uh, anger and that sort of thing. Those abrupt changes in in nervousness and um, agitation. But it can also decrease resilience for handling those things again in the future. And so the the most important thing with any type of anxiety disorder and PTSD is going to be therapy. It's going to be the working with a trusted professional who can you know, tri- you know, to to handle the stressors that do arise, that is way easier said than done. And I, I by no means mean to simplify it, um, because it's it's extremely difficult for someone to do that. But again, that doesn't mean that we should be ignoring the fact that marijuana use doesn't help that trajectory. It just it just doesn't. Um, with suppression, it's, again, you know, it can, in the short term, cause a euphoria. So it gives you kind of like a false sense of happiness, right? It's giving you a short term, you know, false elevation in your dopamine, basically. And so that leaves you vulnerable when it wears off for worsening over the long term. Yeah. I think what you said just a moment ago, too, about therapy, and and it kind of goes to the question that I asked a little while ago about Mm -hmm. having tools in the toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. It sounds Mm -hmm. like that is is always going to be an important component of treatment, whatever sort of um, medicines you might take or whatever approach you might take. It sounds like that's that tends to be a critical component. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. It's just... It, you know, it, it's like weight training, you know, you can't, you can't get stronger without lifting the weights. And so it, it's like mental, mental strength training, you know, you can't, you can't expect to handle stress better unless you handle stress. And so the, the safest way to do that with processing um, things, whether it's triggers from past trauma or just social triggers or panic attack triggers that make you feel anxious, the best way to do that is with, again, a trusted professional um, in a structured therapy setting. Yeah. And of course, you work with veterans. We have talked a great deal about veterans on this podcast as well as on our companion TV episodes and some of the mental health issues that they are facing, whether it be PTSD, anxiety, depression, and so forth. What are some of the things that you recommend to your patients when you work with them at the vet? What do you find to be most effective in helping them work through their mental health issues? So definitely starting with what they want to gain from their treatment, you know, uh, making it very clear that I'm there as a source of information 
and I can tell them about every possible antidepressant option that they have with along with the expected benefits and potential risk of side effects for those medications. You know, there's lots of different types of of the different antidepressants and then also with therapy there's cognitive behavioral therapy, a prolonged exposure therapy, you know, so there are it's not just a one size fits all and so I think just starting with questions to gauge where the person is, and then just being a, a, a resource for them uh, to, and then you hopefully both arrive at the same conclusion as far as what what is the most recommended course. Yeah. Well, finally, Dr. Dress, I have to ask you about psychedelics, mm-hmm. as long as we are on the subject of medical marijuana. And I ask about that because there are veterans who swear by their effectiveness mm-hmm. for PTSD in particular. Um, some have even formed advocacy, advocacy sure. groups to promote more research and awareness about it. Where do you stand on that? Do you see that as a viable treatment, uh, at least in the short yeah. term? At this point, the evidence is so short term, so short term, um, to the point where I would I wouldn't even feel comfortable telling someone that I that I know it's safe because that data is even so short term. I mean, like usually they're looking at a person over twenty four hours, you know. So, um, so with PTSD, does that then increase the risk of flashbacks a month from, from its use? I don't know. You know, I don't know. So I would be even more hesitant to, um, to, uh, lean one way or the other on that at this point. It sounds like a lot more research needs to be done. Yeah. So uh, as we prepare to say goodbye, Dr. Dress, one last thing, and that is just what words of encouragement might you have or advice for someone who is struggling with PTSD, anxiety, what have you, and and maybe has considered the medical marijuana route? Um, What advice would you have for them? Be a sponge for information. Talk with as many people, providers, uh, as you possibly can, peers, to gain information. I would say the most important thing is don't just ask questions and get information and settle for, okay, that's, that's good. I know what I'm doing now because it's what you, um, you know, what the information that you wanted to gain, be open to all the pros and cons, all the risks and benefits that you can internalize and, and, and use that to make an informed decision. Yeah. Do your homework, bottom line. (laughs) Yeah. Dr. Jennifer Dress is a clinical pharmacy specialist supervisor at the Wilkes-Barre VA Medical Center. Dr. Dress, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. Thank you so much, Tracy. I'm Tracy Matisak. You're listening to the Mind Over Matter podcast. For more information on this and other mental health topics, check out our website at wvia.org slash mindovermatter. Thanks for listening. See you next time. WVIA's Mind Over Matter, a mental health initiative, is underwritten by Geisinger. When you hear Geisinger, what comes to mind? A hospital? Doctors? Health insurance? We're all those things. But here's something you might not think of. We're also your local pharmacy. Geisinger Pharmacy isn't just for people in the hospital. It's for you. Want to fill a prescription? We've got you covered. 
just need over-the-counter stuff? We've got that too. And Geisinger Pharmacy is run by your friends and neighbors. We're your local healthcare system and your local pharmacy. 